she has 88 Grammy nominations. She's tied with her husband. <laughs> like they have the <laughs> most Grammy nominations in history and she tied with her husband. 88 Grammy nominations. Household competition. The little household competition. Who's like, going to end up with the most <laughs> Grammys? Uh-huh. Both of her last two tours have grossed over $250 million. Like when she goes on tours, she's earning hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue because she's the, her production company is actually the company behind it. Yo, what's up, fellas? How y'all doing? Welcome back to another episode. It feels like we haven't recorded in a while. I know we have been recording, but I don't, it just feels like a while. A part of that is because we've been having a little bit of technical difficulties on our last uh, episode. So I think we've been yeah. missing our own content. I've been feeling, and hopefully our listeners, I, I know a couple of them have knocked on my door metaphorically about <laughs> they. We Maybe we we're feeling that too. Uh, but we'll be back with multiple episodes. I think we'll probably oh, yeah, drop we- two on y'all. No, yeah, we, we got to We building up a deep library for sure. I'm excited about. <laughs> Not facts. I, yeah, I had somebody. Yeah, what's going on, Brian? Let's do with you. No much, man. Man, there's been a lot going on. Obviously, everything happening at the gig. Got some. I got a few plays in the works, actually. Ah, uh, uh, as always. Uh, yeah, yeah. They should be good. We are gonna pull them through, so we don't speak them in existence. But I also had somebody today ask me, like, "Hey, man, when the next episode dropping?" And so. It's good that we back on here to talk our talk. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you gotta, sometimes people gotta miss you for a little bit. You feel me? Is that yeah, what sometimes it is? You, sometimes that's what they say. They say you can't always that's true. look. They do say they distance say, makes the heart grow fonder. That's distance the distance makes the heart grow fonder. That's the old <laughs> saying. That's what they say. Yeah. Yeah. You feel that, you feel that, it, you know what I'm saying? Something you need all of a sudden goes away. You start to feel that after a while. Hopefully that's beat the odds five for, for y'all, but. But y'all, I know I've been, I've been doing, I've been doing all right. Just, you know what I'm saying? Working through just, just life stuff, definitely focusing in on health in general, but then also just maintaining the business stuff. But outside of that though, when we got on, I think Dre mentioned that you went to the Beyonce concert. So I know I went with my girl, I believe maybe three weeks ago in, in LA and it was crazy. And uh, so I wanted to know what you, what, how, how to go for y'all. And it was, it was packed. It was for sure. Yeah. First off, I got to go back to like when we even started planning to even go, which was oh, like right. back in Feb- February. So this was, this has been in the works for a minute. And at the time that like she approached me, I was like, Hey, I want to go to Beyonce concert. I like obviously knew who Beyonce was and like listened to Beyonce, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I didn't really follow Beyonce. Uh, like I thought you yeah, said yeah. you asked her. I thought you said, hey, no, I want no. you. I thought, okay, let's clear no. that up real quick. I was like, you went to, okay. No. Yo, I was like, you went no, to no, your no. wife and told her you want, okay. No, right, no, right. no, no. I was not, a, I was, I, I wasn't, I wouldn't say I wasn't a fan, but I didn't, I just yeah. didn't like, I didn't no. know much. I would hear music and listen to it and be like, all right, cool. But obviously Thanks. I'm a fan of Jay-Z. Yeah, I'm a fan of Hope. <laughs> so of course I, I can respect his, his art. Uh, yeah. So when she came to me, I was like, yeah, I want to go. I'm like, all right, cool. So about a month out, she was like, yeah, yeah what outfit you wearing? I'm like, I'm just going to pull something out the closet. What you mean? Oh, no, 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 no. She's like, no, you got to wear silver. You got, I'm like, wait, what do you mean? So then she the starts rules. showing me all this stuff on TikTok and I'm seeing exactly. I'm seeing these rules. I'm seeing like, everybody is like, 
the crazy part is everybody was like following. Everybody was like yeah. participating. There was nobody was resistant. Nobody was like, oh, this is too much. No, this is she overdoing. Nobody said that. Everybody was just like, hey, that's what she want. Cool. And so I was like, all right, cool. So I'm getting my outfit or whatever. And I'm gonna be honest, to call it a concert, I feel is like a little bit underserving what it really is because right. it's not even a concert. It's like, to me, it's like a production. It's like, it's yeah. a show on steroids. Like it's something I've never experienced before. And this is like my first like real concert or real like eagle, um, in-person event like this. And, um, yeah. It just super exceeded everything. Like the amount of time that I can imagine that went into producing that was insane. Like the quality was just crazy. Like you can see why like she's the like just where she is and just like the best at what she does. Like it's just you don't you can't produce something of that magnitude and like people have the excitement, the social excitement around it and you not be like actually doing something good. And uh, yeah, I was able to witness it firsthand. I was like, shit, I want to go to she another great. one. She, like, that's she, how good it was. When you, I know you felt like, damn, like you see it. Like when you go to those shows, I know you feel like, damn, this is why she's here. This is why this person's here. I was like, you, I was like, you know what? I spent so much time, you know, thinking about Hove and like <laughs> Hove accomplishments and how, how, how inspired yeah. I am by Hove. And I'm like. Wait a minute. I'm like, bro, his wife is dope. I'm like, bro, what she is doing on the side is incredible. Now I'll start looking more into her business and just what's happening over there, bro. The Renaissance tour is like one of the, is the highest grossing tour. One of the highest grossing tours by a female artist. That shit has done almost five, over 500 million in ticket sales, which is yeah. insane. It was projected to do almost 2 billion, which it could actually do that. It's going to beat Taylor Swift, which is like pretty popular. Of course. Uh, so that's wild. It's, yeah, it's insane, bro. Like, when you look at her career, I, I was just doing a, a quick peek over her career. She's done, she has 88 Grammy nominations. She's tied with her husband. <laughs> like, they have the most <laughs> Grammy nominations in history, and she tied with her husband. 88 Grammy nominations. Household competition. The little household competition. Who's like, going to end up with the most <laughs> Grammys? It's, it's insane. <laughs> Even her last two tours, both of her last two tours have grossed over $250 million. Like, when she goes on tours, she's earning hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue because she's the, her production company is actually the company behind it. And so it's actual revenue that it's they're so, collecting uh, from ticket sales. Entertainment. Yeah, exactly. Yep. They're behind it. And obviously they have partners who are collaborating with them and helping them, but they're primarily behind it and producing it. And so those ticket sales, the merchandise sales, all the revenue cuts, the streaming, I'm sure she's going to cut up the uh, content that she's producing. Because again, it's like, it's incredible content that's going to be probably distributed on Netflix or HBO or Apple TV, whatever it may be. Um, and so, yeah, all of that revenue comes back to her, essentially. Yeah, I'm like, look, I, I'll, I'll put like this. I've, yeah, the story started a while ago with me, with, with my girl, my, me and my girl too. You know what I'm saying? I think probably around February or so or whenever that happened. I had forgot that the, it was even coming up. And we had outfits because there was like an Ivy Park thing that was going along with the tour and whatnot. And then I guess we, a week before, like a week or so before we had to go, she switched it to like silver. And it was just what it was. Like Dre said, like everybody was just like, hey, I guess that's what we on and that's what we're going to do. So we had to switch the whole outfit. And then there was some other rules too that that was my girl kept reminding me of. But it's crazy seeing like the whole the whole thing. But what I kept wondering, 
the whole show was she can perform for hours and hours, like effortlessly. Like, now I don't been to, and I'm not saying I've been to 30, 50 concerts, but I've been to enough, right? From J. Cole, Drake, Yay, et cetera. Some others, Ari Lennox, Wayne. Yo, she can, she was performing for hours. I was like, whatever diet plan, pill, whatever regimen, sleep schedule, whatever they got her doing where she can come up, pop up, and just go for three, like when she shows up, it's over. It's it's three, yeah. four hours straight. Just I'm so, just like, how's she doing this? Do like, y'all remember do y'all remember that movie, her documentary on Netflix, Homecoming? I do. Yeah, yeah I do. Yeah. But and, and, and I remember when I was She's watching that coming too. I remember when I was watching that, it they they were showing her training regimen, choreography. And so oh. just so I'm sure she's probably doing something very similar. She has to be. You know, what, like it's it's extraordinary that she can live sing, and the quality is like incredible. It's not like a distorted version. It's not yeah. like a. It's not like a. Oh, that don't sound that good. Uh, like the. It's almost rather listen to her live than listen to her recorded. That's <laughs> damn near how good it is. Yeah, yeah. Like she's actually that good, and she's dancing around for like Rodney said for hours. It's like switches outfits. Yeah, how she's doing quick, that? Switching outfits that like I'm just like. Just, I was blown away for sure. So it, it made me realize that there was levels. That's like that, that uh, almost, I'm, I'm going to end up with Jay is winning. I mean, she winning too because she got Jay, but Jay is definitely winning. He's winning. Of he's course, winning so in cool. life. And he knows that. After, especially <laughs> if, if not, after Lemonade, he, he understood. That was the album where he understood. He had a little nervous. Because, <laughs> yo. You be honest, I'm not gonna have no issue. I can see, nah. you can see that. I can see that. Nah. Uh, did, did Blue come out for your for y'all? Cause yeah, yeah, I, she did. Okay. She did. She got bro. The, the whole crowd was. That, that's a whole different thing. I forgot to discuss. But like the whole crowd went crazy when she came out. And then I looked mm -hmm. up how old she was, and I was like, yeah. bro, she's 11 years old. Yeah, I was like, that is insane, yeah. yo. She, she used yeah, to it too. I, she can go up there and dance and everything. She's not even. Yeah. I was like, she next up. Yeah, yeah. I was like, she next up. It, just looking at her kind of reminded me of the, I don't know. Did y'all ever see the King Richard movie of Serena and Venus Williams? Just looking at her just reminded me of a younger version of that. She's clearly up. She's clearly up next and just destined to do greatness. Like she's already interested as 11 years old. Like, yo, at 11, she doesn't have to do nothing. She's working. She's working more than I'm working at 11. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm late like, night too. Late night too. To late night show. Like yeah. nobody forcing her to do it. She could be at home eating her snacks, being a normal eleven year old, but she out on the road working, grinding. I got a question. So where does she suffer though? In what way? As a kid? Yeah, you. If, if she, Beyonce is doing this crazy tour, she's out on the stage with her, traveling with her. I'm just, I'm just curious, like. It's always a life? sacrifice. You talk about sacrifice. Yeah. It's if what sacrifice. It's always a sacrifice. I agree. Yeah. Well, especially when it's uh, when you're a child, there's always some sacrifices for sure. But nothing that doesn't come with being a child star. I, I don't think anything different than what comes with being a child star. To be honest, I, I think that's like asking what some of these Disney stars sacrifice, and they might have to be homeschooled. They may not go to certain things. Because even when I'm seeing Blue again, I didn't know she first. Of all, I thought she was like 13, 14. She's, if she's 11 out there, like it, it'd be like 11 o'clock PM, like late at night. Like she'd be like, and doing, so she's, 
she's sacrificing something, but whatever it is, hey, I don't know. It, 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 who knows? That's maybe for her to tell us in 10 years. Hopefully it's not bad. And hopefully it's not bad. Hey, look, that's for her to tell the, us when she becomes an adult. You feel me? The, the beauty we of don't it, know. though, is the beauty of it, though, is she has the blueprint right in front of her, right? Because oh, her mother's right been, her, her mom has been in it since she was around her age, yeah. like in younger and early groups, like even before Destiny's Child. So if, if you're going to go through a situation, what's better? What's best to like have one of your parents uh, as somebody who can guide you through it? I um, would say, yeah, I would say that's the leg up for me. Potentially, because for them, when I think about like people like MJ or whatever, MJ mean Michael Jackson, whatever, like they were like big, huge stars, but they, Jackson 5 and all, like they, that was new. Like their family didn't come from that. And then it's different. Right. It reminds me of maybe the, maybe what LeBron's got going on with him and his sons, where it's exactly. not just, he's just coming through. And there's something that comes with it. And LeBron has talked about that. Who knows that it depends on, because sports and this, some of this is some, there's some crossovers and sometimes it's different. I'm sure Bronny feels, if you were to ask me that about Bronny, I, I don't know. I probably feel like his sacrifice is probably like that pressure because his dad is King, is King James. I don't, when I see uh, Blue come out, I, I feel I see a carefree person, <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? Whereas like with the sports thing, it's just like, hey, go out and score 30. <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm saying? So I don't know. I don't know. But Shit, yeah. sometimes the worst pressure we, sometimes the worst pressure we experience is the pressure we put on ourselves. Hopefully, like, and, and hopefully that. Internally, yeah. what she might be putting on her in her mind, she might feel like she got to be bigger than her mom. That's her voice, which would yeah, be I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Or, her, or or better yet, her dad. Shit, it's not her dad is not well accomplished. Her dad is the one that's the billionaire. Like, I don't know she don't feel like that. That's a whole like different that. level. To, that's a whole different level to if, my. If, if you hove and Beyonce, that's one thing you might have to spend a lot of time on trying to get them to. You, you may not be like this, you know. <laughs> You can explain. Like, you can ex you can explain that to them, bro. But still like, won't I mean, here. yeah, I feel like naturally they just in their heads, kids just do that. I feel like we always compare ourselves to our parents. You know what I'm saying? Whether our parents yeah. amounted to nothing, whether they amounted to something, or whether they amounted mm -hmm. to everything we think there is to amount to. Yeah. It looks like the WGA with the writer strikes has come into tentative agreements, so they're not all the way done yet as of. Yesterday, I, we started to hear some rumbles about it earlier this last week, but it dragged out until over the weekend. Um, seems like a good sign. Um, tentative what was the resolution? So here's the thing. I don't, as far as what I'm reading, I don't see the, the it's what they're saying is that it sounds like a majority of the things that they wanted are there, but it's tentative. So because it's not all done yet, I think it's hard to say exactly, but. Why well, I do want to point out with something ironic and a little, a little ironic is you guys are familiar with the fact that the actors also went on, there was an actors guild that also went on strike as well with in solidarity with the writers. And now that's a separate thing too. And so there are some shows potentially, and maybe Dre knows a little bit more about this. I don't know, but there are potentially some shows that like, even if the right, let's say the writer strike did completely end next week or this upcoming week, you know, because of the actor strike. That's almost like a separate, it's like, it's, it, it, that's like a separate thing almost now. Like where it's like, okay, we might have writers back, but now if we don't necessarily have the actors right away, who knows how long that will take. And that's almost like a separate thread, but they're all like in the same ecosystem. So maybe you guys can um, uh, share some insights. I want you guys thinking about that, but I think it's good news that there's, these strikes are coming to an end. seems like there's strikes all over, uh, across the board in america right now what are your thoughts in drape maybe you know a little bit more about like 
the okay resolution of writer strike, but now there is this after strike that kind of just started. What does that do as far as like, especially on the consumer side? Because I think a lot of people want to know: Can I watch my favorite shows again? Can I get back to uh, regular schedule programming? Yeah. You have to watch the old Matrix from nineteen ninety nine. Like, we're trying to figure it out. Yeah, I saw. I don't know. I don't know much about the resolution outside of the high level details. I saw something sure. about a resolution about the use of AI and the protection of jobs in the future. What that means exactly, I don't know, but there is some provisions in the contract that basically secures writers' jobs in the future and not make it so that it can't be replaced with AI, which is crazy to me. That's even, I understand why that would exist. Like I understand, I get it, but yeah. given the yeah. economic system that we operate <laughs> In America, <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't understand why that would be able to be happening, but okay. So yeah, that's one thing with the AI. And then I believe the other thing was like higher compensation from yeah, streaming, yeah. Wor from streaming royalties. So yeah. exactly, I, I don't know exactly what the split is or what that exactly means, but essentially they want higher compensation from that, which again, I'm super ignorant on like exactly like the details of the business model. But to me, I don't understand the argument on that either because the business model is different on streaming than it was on like linear TV and how that content was monetized versus like how streaming content is monetized. Now, maybe that changes with a lot of streaming platforms taking on um, ad tiers. So as they take on like ad tiers, then like that business model starts to look a little bit similar to like how traditional TV was because let that monetization, that business model is based on ads. But in the world of streaming, where you're getting X amount from a customer every single month, I don't know how to, I just don't know how you pay more money. I just don't know how you pay more money for that, like in the way that writers and actors are expecting without the industry collapsing. And then they don't want them to use like any tools to like lower operating costs, but they want us to pay more. I, I just don't understand yeah. it, but that's the argument. Uh, 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 it's because it's probably because you are a, you, you're looking at it from the the reality at multiple levels. It's, if you're just the right, if you're just a writer or a worker, for example, that of any like a, a union, there's a good chance you don't understand how the business works. You just do your job and get paid, and it's, you may ask for all this stuff not knowing any of the stuff that you're talking about or even how any of those dynamics play out and you still want what you want. And you might want it because you think you deserve it or you see the next person or the next, or these people or whatever. And I think it's important though that people understand though that it, it, it's not always though the evil business people trying to fuck people over. That's not always what it is. Sometimes it's, I think even, Jay, you might have brought this up with the restaurants, for example, with like essentially lowering costs. If they, were, if they require certain restaurants to raise the pay, that's going to fundamentally really affect a lot of the restaurant business. And they may not be able to operate the same way. You know what I'm saying? And, and I don't know. And maybe some of the, there, some of the second, some of the consequences of that is that there's less jobs and they're higher paying, but maybe there's less jobs. I don't know. Um, but I find it hard to see how people are preventing against automation. Like that's, that, that, that seems to be the thing that almost everybody that I, 
every business or entity, business entity right now seems to be going towards. And that's just that, that for a lot of people, that is going to be a threat to them. Look, Brylon, what, yeah, what are, you, what are your thoughts? I'm curious on the writer's strike. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I, yeah, I haven't paid much attention to this, but I agree. I, I agree with what you were saying in terms of just like the economics, but also what Rodney was saying around like the whole perspective that is being missed here, uh, at least when it comes to the business. And so I'm just reading up on this and some of the stuff that they were, were demanding. It seems like a good short-term solution, but in the long-term, yeah, are they really going to be able to protect themselves, especially from the perspective of like producers, right? What are, pro like, let's be honest, what are production companies' true incentives? One, to want to pay you more, but then two, not want to speed up things, especially as streaming becomes more competitive and streaming is dominated by content. And if AI can help speed that up, why would they avoid using that? That To me, that just does not make enough sense. And I think also, yeah, when I think about writers, yeah, I would have personally liked to see something that was more rooted in an optimistic point of view, like something like creating a new future rather than protecting the old. And it's, it seems like that's not what is here. Oh, and yeah. so it almost seems like a Band-Aid to me, if I'm going to be honest. Let me ask you this. Let me pose this question. Because, so I was telling you guys before hopping on, like I was reading the Elon book, right? And I have a better understanding now of what his concern is about AI. His concern is very simple. His concern is that that level of intelligence will make human consciousness less relevant. That's his concern. And so let's just play that out as it relates to movies and music, right? If you have, and I'm just playing devil's advocate here. I'm not picking the side here. But if you have, let's say, Disney, which is the largest media company in the world, that decides, let's say, 50% of our production going forward, the scripts from those production, whether it's scripted or unscripted content, whatever it is, if you have a script, needs to be generated by AI, 50%. What, okay, so if that happens, then what does that do to the human consciousness around writing? Does that mean like humans write less, right? And if humans are writing less, then what does that mean in terms of that art yeah. form? Does that start to die down? You really do, I think, have to ask that question because it doesn't seem that like that way up front. But yeah, I think it's worth posing that question. So yeah, I, I pose that question to both of y'all. Like thinking through that lens, what do you what do you do from the other side in order to protect that art form? It's difficult. It's so difficult because because they let the, first of all, OpenAI dropped this bag, this ChatGPT bag, cat of the bag, like on us. It's not. It's not like I, as an engineer and somebody who's been in, I've been, in, I've been building computers since I was like twelve years old, breaking them down, all types, doing all types of crazy stuff. This stuff came as a bigger surprise to me as it is the next person. And so I say that to say that it, I would have, I have concerns in a similar way that Elon does and other people have there's been things that have been talked about as far as suggestions but it's only it's harder to grasp them depending on what we're talking about for example when I, I believe there was another podcast you were talking about how they were saying like in a, in a warehouse for example if they're all robots okay tax the robot and then maybe that goes towards being some type of UBI etc or whatever because you're not paying a human you're paying a, a, a robot or whatever right you pay her you bought a $30,000 robot, but whatever is getting it, whatever you're getting off of it, tax, but I don't know. But they, it is harder with more of these conceptual things like and creative works. It's very hard. 
because there is a very fast change in how that's all being done. Literally, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, like even, for example, like writers is one example, but I was just using the same tool that I used to make a website um, last year and the year before that. I was just using it a few days ago and was able to make this, the, the same website or a newer version of the website with AI enhancement way faster than I would like literally just like just a year ago. And now I'm thinking like, let, well, I'm not hiring anybody to do this because it's even easier now than before. And that's a, in a way it's a job loss because we could, we have resources to pay people to do this, but it's easier for us. So we're not. And so as far as like protecting stuff like that, I'm at a loss. I think there's some form of people are going to want uh, to know some things are authentic for maybe some own their own. So for example, I know for them on hip hop culture, it was a big thing where if you write all your raps, right. But that's not the case across every, all, across everywhere. There's pop music where, you know, people, it's well known that a lot of people get their songs written or whatever the case It's not really a big deal. It's just pop music, whatever. And, but people might care about when they're writing their, for example, hip hop, like their raps made because they thought that they can relate. And when it comes into this thing where there's AI in the mix, et cetera, with art and whatnot, it can get, I don't know. I'm not gonna lie. I'm just like stream conscious. I don't know. Uh, this is, it's, I just a general it's, it's just a it's general question. It's just a general question. Bradley, for you, like, do, do you think that art form should just be protected? That, that's just really the question. Like, is this, is because that's really what the writers and actors are really at trying to ask they may not be asking it maybe there's a different way to asking it but it's just hey we are trying to protect this art form because it is being disrupted and we think it should be protected that's really what it is so yeah that's the question i'm asking you right on do you, do you think it should be protected and if so how or and if not why to say that something is protected yeah if something is unprotected that means it's lost or it's quote unquote in danger but in the long, is, is that really the case? I think I view it more from the perspective of like things are just evolving. I think the output, like I, I can't see a world where the output is much different than where what we're experiencing now. Like just because a lot of these tools are trained on what we've produced in the past, I, th I think that the methods of just creating it changes. And should that be protected? I personally don't think so just because at the end of the day, like, it is a business and business is rooted in not what you quote unquote want to do, but it's what does somebody find value in you doing and is willing to pay you for it? And can you do that efficiently? That's just how the world is set up. And yeah, like I personally don't think it should be protected. I think it's like it's going to hurt in, in, in the short term. And I think just the role in the value chain is going to change. I think. I can't see a world where humans are out of the loop when AI does replace us when it comes to some of these things, because at the end of the day, we're still, even when it comes to these AIs making decisions around, oh, should I train, should I train myself on this material that I produce? It only can get to that place by humans telling it or giving it enough examples to be able to like know what good input or good output is. And so I think the role just changes. And it's actually crazy because I pulled up this thing and it was actually, there's this article from 1973 and it was talking about how Steve Jobs described computers as bicycles for the mind. But essentially what this article was getting at was it, it basically compared like various animals 
and basically how many calories like they burned getting from point A to point B. It was animals and then like humans. And the thing about it was like what the science found out was like there's this bird that's native to California that like is like the most efficient. And then humans were like at the bottom of it as the least efficient. But as soon as you as soon as you gave humans a bicycle, humans became the most efficient. And, and what this article talks about is that was like one of Steve Jobs insights into if you what do what happens to the mind when you give it a tool? And I think that's just my perspective when it comes to this inflection point we're currently in is 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 just something that's going to happen we're going to become we're going to become a lot more efficient and i think for some people we're either living in that future or we're already experiencing but i actually heard this like really good quote that i was like damn that actually makes a lot of sense but it was what the quote was is like the future already exists it's just not evenly distributed and so the question i want to throw at y'all is y'all are frequent users of AI. I'm sure you use it to write emails, different documents and things of that nature. Would you, what impact has that had on your creativity? What impact has that had on your ability to read and write? I, I look, I use ChatGPT every day. So I love it in terms of what it has enabled me to do. But I, I do think there's a valid question and what studios, what the intentions of what studios are trying to do. Because you what and it, what a studio is trying to do is not just necessarily say, "Hey, this is a tool that uses you that helps you in the creative process." Sure, it could be it could be that way. But what a studio is also saying is, we could completely use the tool to make the whole creative process, and that completely changes the value chain entirely because that completely removes pieces from the value chain in order to get to some out to some outcome. And so that's a completely separate thing from saying, hey, does this tool enable us to do more? Does it enable us to create? Yeah, of course it does. But it also, we have to be honest around the economic impacts of what these tools allow us to do. Because AI in terms of just creativity isn't enough. AI that actually helps drive down inefficiencies within organizations is incredibly powerful. And that's really the next era that we're moving into where we're getting ready to go into. And we've already talked about it with Tesla bots. That's obviously the hardware form of it, the human form of it, but it also comes through software. And so I, I don't think we should d d uh, diminish how studios are thinking about it. They're businesses, right? And if a large percentage of their revenue is gone towards paying for labor, especially labor that is striking, labor that is fickle, labor that always wants more money all the time, it's not unfair to think about how do we cut this labor out? And so the question is, if yeah. studios are doing that and they're also responsible for the distribution, then does that perhaps kill the art form itself? Meaning like humans actually like contributing to it. Yeah, maybe. So, sure, sure. Absolutely. That, that, that's a good point. That, that's a good point. It, it, it could dilute the art, the art in some ways. Like how, exactly. uh, like how some people feel like, to a certain extent, music has been doing that before the AI, but not even with it. It's and it was interesting is that um, you know, no artist group is a monolith. So some there's a lot of people that don't want they they, they want to keep the essence of art. There's also those groups that that are curious about this stuff. And but it, as Yuri was talking, it started making me realize that even though I I I don't. I'm not as happy. I, I love open source models and whatnot, 
because of the ability to create stuff and have more customization or uncensored models, in which case, for example, like right now, you couldn't write a, a great horror film with ChatGPT because it just was just going to censor it. It's not, it's not going to be able to give you what you need. It's not going to write out a bloody scene. It's just not going to do that. So, 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 but with these open source models, especially there's, there's, been, there's been some that have been more tailored towards uh, storytelling and uncensored, et cetera. So they'll give you a full range. And it's starting to make me realize that maybe uh, Meta has a point uh, because if, because then now the landscape has to change. If, if, because if that is true, that essentially uh, uh, studios are going to, which is likely one, we know they're thinking this. We know they're trying to lower the cost. We're just trying to now see, think about at what point, how are they going to try to do it? It's not going to be in the most blunt force obvious way. I can see that. But let's just assume they, they've completely cut off the human part. There will have to be other places. And maybe that's what's, maybe that's what's inspiring made a lot of these changes in, in X for right now. Because, for example, them having that uh, a full-blown episode, being able to post full-blown a podcast episodes hours long, or being able to post, like Apple posted the first episode of a new show they had come out. They're the first to ever do it on, on X. And maybe part of that shift of where that platform is going is almost like acknowledging that we may not be able to trust those larger creatives, may not be able to trust those larger brands because they might turn into a full-blown capitalist machine because maybe maybe Netflix cracks the code and they create their own model and to and they have the resources and everything and they've taken out just a lot of people in that process and those there's going to be those people that have those skills and so now they're displaced but if you have this world where all these open source models have been been made and then also there's new like platforms are becoming better for creators you can offset that a little bit or help people a little bit because then now they don't need the studio or, but right now though, but right now though, they do though. Right now, if you're a writer, et cetera, you need a job. I want, people will argue that you don't, but I'll, there's enough people that would say it's a thing to be a part of this writer's guild and to be a certain type of writer in Hollywood or whatever. And you need them right now. And they're almost like at a point where damn, we're not going to need them niggas in a second. And it's, that could be bad. So I, I could, like, hopefully... It, it, it could be stuff, bad? Hopefully the other stuff, hopefully the other stuff catches up, though. Like, the tools that, like... It's scary, though, because AI doesn't just... Like, it empowers everybody, but the thing is, at different levels, though, because, like, the thing is, with, with enterprise, and especially people that we're talking about, the Dre, the ones that Dre's referring to, they just have just, like, just a lot more of resources. And there's going to be some time delay before you can get everything you need to be an independent, maybe writer or producer. Um, and but I can see a future where people who are independent, et cetera, and maybe once were writers or, or actors or whatever, are empowered by these tools and can get their own thing started or whatever. But I, it's just like the time between that. I don't know. Like it's a, I don't know how bumpy that road is. And, but I do see the main concern. I can see that off jump. Because it's no different than what other businesses are doing. Yeah, like we look, yeah. we we all know this. This is not a matter of creation. Yeah. This is a matter of yeah. distribution, right? Studio movie studios yeah. are empowered because exactly. of their ability to distribute content. It is exactly. so. Yeah, you can give a person all the tools to create all night and day, but if they don't have the distribution channels, then it just doesn't matter. So you're right. Yeah. X X dot com is definitely hopefully one of those right. platforms. Obviously, YouTube. Is one of those platforms, but 
and, and maybe that's where the opportunity that's where the opportunity space is for founders is like rethink what does independent distribution around content content look like and obviously yeah. there's several people that have tried to crack it but yeah. i do think that is a very important question because yeah. that type of content is it's just going to become more meaningful because i think over time we're just going to yeah. see less of it and again maybe as consumers we may think we like it but honestly when i think about it it would actually suck to me if i'm consuming so much content that's just generated by an ai model yeah it may uh, yeah. be good and yes yeah. it may satisfy my, yeah. my mind at that moment but I actually do respect like human art. Like we talked about Me Beyonce too. at the beginning. Yes. I respect that. And so I respect yeah. like those writers that sit down and actually use their imagination to actually create a story and walk me through it. And yeah, I can appreciate what chat GPT can generate as well. But it's something about the human element that I really respect. Somebody, it's somebody the art that the, the, they have to somehow yeah. get the hold, art hold on, right. On. Let, let yeah. Brian let, let Brian go. Go ahead, Brian. This, but but this, this is the thing too, because I think Rodney makes a really good point around like just open source, which is the 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 means of creativity aren't necessarily changing. Like these writers are still going to be able to write. But instead of distributing it, passing it down a value chain to producers, things of that nature, like they're just going to be passing it to an AI model to be able to do that more efficiently for them. Like they only can write so fast, like th they're limited here. I actually feel like the biggest threat to writers are going to be actors because actors are very similar to athletes, in, in, in my opinion. And I think what you're seeing happen across sports it would not surprise me if it happened across in entertainment in general. And here is why. Like, when it comes to just that, that, that TV movie business, Netflix is just another Netflix. They just happen to have all the content, right? But we go on to Netflix to watch certain movies because they have certain people like Denzel, et cetera. Guess what? They own that IP too. So they own not only them showing up in the show, but all the words and everything that they said, the scenery, like they own just as much. So they not only actors have distribution as well. Think about Will, the Will Smiths of the world, the Ryan Reynolds, the Ryan Goslings, the, the, those type of folks. And so not only do they have the distribution, but they also have the original creativity of the writer. And so I'm like, actors are the ones that no, but, folks should be. Do you think the time is ticking on actors though, too? No, I don't. No, no. And, and, and here, I think Facebook is about to knock it out of the park. And what Facebook, Facebook, they've been talking about, they're getting ready to release like their personal chat bots. But one of the other updates that they're getting ready to roll out specifically for entertainers, entertainers, actors, and, and athletes is the ability to clone your persona based off of like the data that you give it. Mm -hmm. The, the, the yeah. fact that we're starting to see these models go multimodal is extremely important. It is crazy. It, extremely important. And I think their actor, actors are going to be the biggest threat to all this. They're in the best position. Wait, so, so how do actors stay protected? I don't understand that part. Because I, I think you're, actors, missing, you're, you're missing the other inputs that it takes to produce a movie. The, what's happening in CGI, what's happening in computer graphics, what's happening. There, there's a bunch of stuff happening that could potentially make actors less relevant yeah, I, in the future. So I'm just curious. It's, what, it's what the data. It, it's the data. So chat mm -hmm. is, yeah, it's the data. And the, and the reason why is they own that, they own a piece of that IP. Like what, are, data, what data are you talking about, though? So say, for example, like Training Day. Okay. Denzel owns a piece of Training Day. He can go, like, why is that? Why is that? Why, why? Sure. 
sure he may sure he may but bro there's so many other actors in training day other than Zen, denzel exactly like all, exactly. all those actors that are in training day bro don't own a piece of training day they're not getting those crazy royalties that Den, Den, that denzel is necessarily getting we had the exact so, no, this isn't stars. about the royalties. This is about if they, like, you may not be getting the crazy royalties, but if you can leverage content, me as an actor, I may not be getting those crazy royalties, but if I can leverage that content to be able to train a model on that, why wouldn't I be in a better position? I may not have as big as a following as Denzel, but... Oh, I, this, this, okay, this, Denzel this, cannot... This, this, there's many okay. reasons why wait, you can't. Wait, wait, Let's take a step back. Denzel does not have right to just take training day and just start training a model to produce other content. That's not how that, that's not how that works. That like, he doesn't have that right to do that as an actor. Like you just, cause you're getting royalties for something. Like you can't just take it and go yeah. do that. Like you're literally signed over image and likeness to these companies in order to go out and license and distribute content on your behalf. And in exchange, they give you a royalty. That's not ownership. That's just a royalty. Like it's just like written being paid back to you. So who really owns that are the actual studios. It's the same thing in game publishing. It's why esports yeah. is like it, the market can't really be what it needs to be. It's because the people that actually own the, the, the biggest position is the people that produce the content. It's whoever owns the IP. That's who wins. Like, yeah. that's it. And in the case of entertainment, Denzel does not own Training Day. That, that, that content is owned and licensed to him. Yeah. And he's paid a royalty for that. But he and can't just go and do what he wants deal. to do with it. I'm not gonna lie. Distribution is also a big deal. That no matter what part of it, it's these yeah, these, distri that distribution is everything, just, and we like know just, it because there's consumer talent, products. It's everything. Yeah, it's yeah. Just even yeah, when we think about, for example, like just our startups or just things we make ourselves. Like you can have an amazing product distribution, like whatever. No matter how you made it, somebody else made it, but distribution will literally kill everything. And even if there's a million tools that make my job easier, if I can't get that distribution part, and so maybe. The landscape somehow changes in the distribution part, but as it stands right now, you have to seemingly like people. There's a reason why people want to be on Netflix and they want to be on Hulu. Like they might have a movie, but they don't like they don't just. It, it matters where they want to put like where they put it or where they get the license to. That's but like, it, remember with Dave like with Dave Chappelle. This happened with Dave Chappelle. A prime example, right? Yeah. The Chappelle Show. They put the Chappelle Show. I know. I think we, we oh. all know they put it on Netflix and. HBO, all that, because Comedy Central owned it, and they just did whatever they wanted to do with it. And Dave, yeah, what man. the fuck? I'm yeah. not even getting anything from this. It's just ruthless the way, like, intellectually yeah. property, as it relates to media, like, yeah, movies, film, music. It's just, it's weird to me how, like, the creators get, but again, it's all in the contract. They sign these contracts. If you sign a contract giving over 100% of your intellectual property and like this, it, it comes down to that thing that happens with music too, right? It's just it's like exactly. people will ask, people ask like why they sign their life over to Diddy, but as you go to Diddy, you know it's gonna get played a certain amount, and it's hard to turn it down. And also, it's not just that they give you a cat, you know, they give you some type of incentive up front, but they know they're getting the the bigger person is getting the bigger and basically it's the same no, way in startups. Leverage, too, honestly, leverage it's the same yeah. way. It's the same way in startups. Like, we look at these other industries and we criticize them, but it's the same way in startups. When you it take is. venture capital, yo, there's senior there's debt. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, there, there's senior debt that has to be paid back. OpenAI released some crazy, oh, I think some significant mm -hmm. updates. They dropped that at 6 a.m. this morning. 
They fell. Early in the morning. Early in the morning. Oh, the, I bet the Amazon, the Amazon Alexa team was scrambling, reading through, reading through everything because yeah. they got some challenge. They got some competition now for sure. That's what it looks like. What's going on there? I know Anthropic. They took some money from Amazon, so they. Were I love money. that Amazon and Anthropic. It's just a move. lot happening in this. Space. I love so the let, Amazon and Cloud move. Okay, what we all want to we all want to start at? We all want to start. There's a lot. Amazon and Cloud. Amazon and Anthropic. Okay. I, Amazon I, I like invested four billion into Anthropic. What does that do? Does it? Do any of y'all know like the details of the deal? Is it a? Is it cash? Is it AWS credit? Is it a combination? They probably didn't even release it, knowing how Amazon is. I didn't get a chance to look at it. Maybe we'll cover it on another episode, but I'll say this. I love the play because I love the competition. And I think I like Claude. I like Am I love Amazon. And I think it's a good partner. I think it reminds me of maybe the Microsoft and OpenAI one. But Amazon, I'm curious maybe if it will somehow integrate with some of the stuff that I love about Amazon. Amazon has been showing me, for example, like AI ratings. Like when you go down, you buy a product now, it, it shows you customers have been saying X, Y, and Z about this product. And mm -hmm. it, like it will have an AI summary of the reviews, which I think is dope. And that's just one thing, but I guess maybe you might see some other stuff. Yeah, no, it, I'm reading it right now. So they didn't invest $4 billion. They have the, they invested $1.25 billion. And they have the option to increase it later to four billion. They will. Okay. And, yeah. So yeah, they're gonna they're gonna do it. But the, the the thing that I find interesting about this is yeah, just the strategy because it was just earlier this year, if you remember, Anthropic, they also raised a lot of money from Google. And so oh. you're yeah, so it it's is. a little different than OpenAI. That is that is. Well, Google, Google wants to make sure they're everywhere. Cause they missed, I think they came a little bit later than they, like they, they let somebody take their lunch, to be honest with the, cause they had a lot of this stuff in the, I, I, they just want to put their hands. I feel like they got their money, claw, put it over here. Why not? And build bar. What's the strategic significance of Amazon investing in Anthropic? I don't like why, like why, what is the strategic value in like a startup? Like Anthropic, what is it that they have or they are, are capable of doing that the AWS team, which probably has a $20 billion a year budget, can't do? Or is it no, even about I, that? I don't know. I guess I'm just trying to understand like the why behind I, the investment. What do you, I think it's not about, I, I think you're right. I think it's not about, the, I, I feel like they can't do it. I think about maybe they didn't prioritize it and the fastest, maybe one of the fastest ways to get it in it. It's with the dollars that they have. But I what are they, they providing? That's what I'm trying to understand. <laughs> what is it that they're giving them? Because Anthropic yeah. is going around and training these models on top of infrastructure that AWS has. So I'm, I'm just trying to understand. Yeah. yeah what are they so, getting? So, from? I can only speculate because I wasn't, because I have no, I don't know full, fully, but I'm speculating they're getting the enterprise version of whatever Claude is. So Claude started off with enterprise and then came out with the, the, the Claude that I love now. But like whatever that Claude enterprise is, I'm guessing that they're getting something out of that and they, maybe they already had used it internally. Maybe they were already a customer and saw some value. I don't know, mm -hmm. but I, if I had to guess, they may have been an enterprise customer on some Amazon team. And then maybe that's how they rose up and got that deal. But that's just a speculation. I can't confirm or deny that it could be Barton were not a customer at all. Brylon, what do you think? Yeah. 
I don't know. I think from an Amazon standpoint, what it seems like is they're similar to like how Microsoft has been building up like the AI side of Azure. I'm not as familiar mm. with Amazon Bedrock, yeah. which is their AI managed service. And so this looks more of just a strategic partnership to, to really hopefully build that up by leveraging one of the top models. But we'll see. I, I Azure is a good example. I actually was looking at this earlier. I wasn't looking at it, but it popped up on LinkedIn, but it was actually wild. And I do think it's a testament to the market here, but the LinkedIn page popped up for OpenAI. And I think it had 4 million or so like followers. And then there was like Anthropic and it had 70 or so thousand. Really? <laughs> like, let's, let's be real. Like how many people really know who Anthropic is? They don't. And so I think it, it, it smart play because a lot of companies use AWS and things of that nature, but who's going to be the winner here? I just don't know. Like claw, like between claw and open it. Nah, in terms of just this deal for Amazon or Anthropic, like. I think Amazon's going to win because the money is going to help Anthropic grow, which in return is just going to cause them to spend more money on I don't, AWS. <laughs> which is just going to see the bottom line Amazon. I, 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 so they I didn't give them anything. <laughs> I can see that, but I think the the thing about it is I would be curious from a developer standpoint, despite all these rapid developments, how often are people really switching models? I don't think often. Hmm. I don't think often. And so I would just, I, I would just be curious, like who, who is Anthropic going after? Like, obviously I think they've went and got some, some large enterprise clients of themselves that I think they got a few consultant agencies and things of that nature, but yeah, if we're going to be honest, they're not a big player. And so from a sales standpoint, what is that sales process looking like for them? That's so, okay. So if you're, okay. So I, I think if you're saying, are you saying that Anthropic as a company, like outside of the deal, is are you saying Anthropic, you're wondering about their long-term in general, as far as their sales or like, how are you? looking at it are you looking at it like open ai anthropic i'm gonna be so it's looking to me very similar to the yeah just the buy now pay letter split split pay like space mm. what's the difference between a firm after paying Klarna? yeah i know what you're getting at right i know what you're okay. getting at here honestly and, i'm a little bit more bullish on a firm that's a whole nother separate topic and you work there so maybe yeah, but yeah right. i know what you mean i know what you mean i know where you're going but yeah go ahead continue yeah, but that's just kind of like, I'm thinking not from a technology standpoint, but more from an operational, mm -hmm. we got to go sell this thing. Open AI wins because I think what they did was, and, and I was, cause I was doing some research into, into just the generative AI in general. And I shared it with you guys. It's, I think open AI has, and I did some side research, I, I think. It is something that's scary to do for companies, but which you, when you do it right, it ends up being big, which is they just really from the jump focus on developers and created a developer ecosystem and developer, yes. ecos and developer ecosystems. They create things you can't even imagine. And that turns into just this whole thing. And that's similar to what Dre is saying is like why Amazon's like the winner in the deal. Cause it's like, Claw can build whatever they want, but it's going to be built on a AWS. So at the end of the day, Amazon's winning there. Yeah. And so. 
in a lot of ways, I see opening eye. Like I feel like I feel like Anthony can't compete in that arena because they stayed very. I think they tried an enterprise route first, and they to me, it seemed like it wasn't open to developers. Whereas OpenAI has been open to developers for a pretty for a, even before this, before ChatGPT, and then after ChatGPT, and and so people are just building all these things around this new infrastructure. And so I don't know how Anthropic, I'm sure they have a space because they'd be like as big as OpenAI. Because like with Dredd, I don't know if Amazon needs them. <laughs> I don't know if Amazon need like they might put no. money in there now and whatever, but I don't know if they I need. The other reason I'm thinking about that comes to mind to me, I think this is probably why Microsoft did the deal with OpenAI as well, is that similar to Microsoft, AWS has a really large enterprise like customer cell base. And so... I yeah. think what the opportunity for Amazon is just to have the service. If you have enterprise customers, what Amazon is optimizing for is to have the broadest, similar to what they do in their marketplace business, right? Mm -hmm. Have the broadest selection available possible to consumers. When you go to Amazon's website and you're shopping, you love it mm -hmm. because they have the broadest selection. They're going to have everything you want the way you want. And I think AWS moves in that similar fashion where you know, for their AWS services customers, they want to have the broadest selection. So they want to have Anthropic yeah. integration. They want to have everything there. Yeah. And I think that's the mode that Microsoft is moving to as well is that, hey, Microsoft already has enterprise clients and those enterprise clients probably picking up the phone, calling Microsoft mm -hmm. saying, hey, Microsoft, there's this new open AI thing out here. We want to start using this in our software services. Okay. And now because it's, it's through Azure, now it's in there, right? So it just further yeah. embeds them into the ecosystem. But I think that's really the strategic advantage. I think the winner, yes, it is Amazon, but I also think the winner is Anthropic because it just, again, goes back to distribution, what we were just talking about. It just furthers and embeds them into distribution. And I also think the last thing is we can't minimize how big the enterprise software market is. It is I mean, it's massive. huge. As far as money, like, as far as it's, revenue, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's, it's, <laughs> it's huge. And so... I think the opportunity space for Anthropic in terms of do they win versus open air or whatever is like, they're going to win based on whatever green field they decide to go after and however they execute on that green space. It could be finance, it could be healthcare, it could be consumer, whatever, it could be, we say enterprise, but that's really broad too in nature, whatever it yeah. may be. I think they can win at it if they execute well at it. And I think open AI can win at it if they execute well. So I just think the market is just so big. No, no, and, you know, Salesforce versus SAP, like both of those can exist. Like they do both exist, right? Mm -hmm. Let me throw a bet out there. Let me throw a bet out there. I'm willing to bet a thousand that when within the next, to be fair, I'm not going to say five years, I'll say three years, Anthropic is inquired by somebody. That That's my bet. Anthropic is inquired. Three? Yeah, three years. I think they're acquired by somebody in three years. Now, now keep in mind though, y'all, I love Claw. <laughs> okay. I love Claw. I've showed it to people just as much as I've shown ChatGPT. Um, one of the reasons why I love Claw was because they came out with something that I guess OpenAI is coming out with. We can talk to that, but the documents, how easy it was to put multiple documents in there, paste in tons of text, like the context windows. And the model is definitely different as far as output. It's not the same as I would say at GPT-4 as far as the quality that, I, that I'm usually looking for, but Claw, like, I love Claw. But I think, I, I do think they're going to get acquired. It's just a bet, though. 
It's a bet. Maybe we'll revisit it. And if it, it and but I think they get acquired. OpenAI, I don't believe will ever get acquired. I don't believe they'll ever get acquired. But I could be dead ass wrong on that. But I think they've built the ecosystem. Speaking of OpenAI, what do what do y'all think about their voice and what else are they voice and what visual? <laughs> image, yeah, like yeah. visual search capabilities that they just released. I think AI. I think OpenAI is. I have put this in the group chat, but they're going from being an R and D. Yeah, there's like fundamentally they're still R and D, but they're going to they're they're transitioning to being more of like a product led company. Just because if we're going to be honest in terms of the whole chat GPT can now see, we saw a version of that back in March when they had mentioned GPT-4. And even if you go read like the, the model card or whatever, the model for, they're calling it GPT-4 V, so for vision, it was completed back in 2022. But over the last few months since announcing it or whatever, they've been doing a lot of reinforcement learning, right? So they've been tuning it to basically going back to what we talked about capability versus behavior. The capability was there, but the behavior, AKA the, out, the, the output, they've been tuning it to, to get it better. And I think what we, the way they introduced it today versus how they introduced it before are very small nuances because before they introduced it via desktop and people were amazed, right? And I think that introduced certain use cases and got people's imaginations stirring. But today they leaned into mobile, right? Even yeah. if you think about how they, like, how, like all the demos they had, it was mobile. And I think that small tweak, nothing fundamentally changed, but it was in terms of how they're positioning that piece of it's the product. The, it's the money. Drive it. like, they're following money. They're following the money. Yo, it's because they came out with ChatGPT. They had a certain way of thinking of mother company. They came out with ChatGPT, didn't expect it to be whatever. Went fastest growing, literally. Look at any chart, 1 billion within two seconds. And they put that plus plan on there. That shit is making them a lot of money. So I think that's just what that, that comes down to. You notice something, because it's, I think that's what it is. They're probably looking at their, all the, they're, they're making tons of API calls. Don't get me wrong, across the board. But when they look at like their products that they put out, they might like mobile. Yeah. Cause I think I, I do think I was asking people that I put on ChatGPT that use it on mobile more than I use it on mobile. And I was like, and I was looking at it like they're in different fields. And I was like, oh, okay. This could be, I see. And even like you brought this up, brother, I think maybe on a few episodes ago where even the page is consumer, like it's showing like the consumer use cases or even you guys are, you're talking a little bit about our product here at, at safe before this. Like the use cases, like you go into the mobile app now and it has, or even the web app now too, but mobile app, it'll have things you can click, like plan a dinner or show me some suggestions. Like they're leaning into the consumer use cases. And I think that's because they're following the money and listening to users. And, but I'm not gonna lie, it annoys me when they have had technology for a long ass time and we just don't get it. But I understand why that happens and how that works. But to know that they had that in June, 2022, it bothers me. But I know how it goes. I know how it but goes. But if I'm going to be honest, so part of me is skeptical when it comes to, quote unquote, them following the money. Yeah. Just because, yeah, I think there, there was some data that came out recently and showed that they've been having horrible re retention. A lot of users have been churning, especially yeah. over, I think it was like the past four months. Starting I back saw that like too. April. I saw that too. 
So to me, this, I can see so, from so, one perspective, them doing this is more of yeah. a retention play. Potentially the flat. I saw that too. Mm. I saw that too. I'm a question. I'm a question that because and on on the same note of that revenue, if you look at revenue, has been increasing, right? Crazy. So revenue has gone up like crazy. They're on a, a, almost a billion dollar run rate. So retention can't be reti- retention can't be slipping that much because. <laughs> let's let's, let's be honest. How much? How how much of that is coming from consumers versus enterprises? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The the use of the product, the product is being used like revenue because of the because of the way their business model is, it is very easy to kind of correlate revenue and retention and uses of the product. It's very simple. Even if it's on the API side, because if their API revenue is going up, that means more people are using those products to integrate with their API. That's the only way that their revenue will go up. So that's just what it is. So it doesn't I matter see. how people are Separate. using it. The reality is people are using it. So but rather it, people are experiencing it, but even, it from... even those products are facing... So their revenue sure, but those products are even facing retention issues. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. But, but, but so then how does revenue continue to go up then? Like you, how do you face retention issues and the revenue is continuing to go up? Because in the short, because in the short term, you have a lot of this hype is driving people to try things. And so there's this huge bump, but... Let's see this thing play out over the long term and see if that thing starts to drop off. It, that was retention not... going down. Let me ask you this though: Do you think retention is going down? Actually, do you think some of the is going down because of the way they? Because some people would argue, like based on some of the feedback that I've been seeing on different communities, Twitter and Reddit, and all these different ones, some people argue that, for example, some of their friends. These are anecdotal, so just take that for what these are anecdotal. Some people are like, their friends stopped using it when they defaulted the mobile app to 3.5. But when they start, when I showed them to, like, to switch it to, to, to 4, which is used, which I think they put behind the gate. I don't know if, if it's back limited or whatever, but when they got the GPT-4 answers, they were like, it, cha- it changed for them. And then also for, so I, I would like to see numbers, because to Dre's point about the overall business, at the end of the day, if they're ultimately seeing stuff, revenue go up, amazing. That's a different point than what I was making, which might not be right which is that I'm just assuming that the, the mobile product is doing very well. So maybe it's not they're following the money. But if they're not, if the mobile product is not doing that well, to Dre's point, ultimately, if the whole shit is doing API calls, then they're straight as a business. Now, I don't know the chat GPT numbers, but what I'll say is this. It does seem to, they do seem to care about this chat GPT product. And by the way, is it, I noticed something about how people are phrasing users and retention and stuff like that. Yeah. That stuff matters. But the, a lot of the products that they're comparing it to were like social media products where no money is coming up front. You know what I'm saying? There's absolutely no money coming exactly. up front. So, so to me, it wasn't fair to like, cause it's not, this is a, this is not fair to, to compare it to Instagram, Snapchat. And, and like, to me, that's not, I see what people are saying. But they need those certain type of numbers for ad businesses. They're getting straight subscriptions. I don't think. I don't think they're like. I'm gonna be honest. It's I different, think, bro. In the short in the way that term, you have to measure it. No, it, no, it's, it's it's different. But in the short term, things are going to look very good. We're in a crazy ass hype cycle. But I think even that Sequoia article called out the fact that retention and the way things seem. Or I wish I put, really I put comments on that article though. What they didn't do is they didn't put no comments on that article because yeah, I had some because, thoughts. I had but, some but, thoughts. But, but that's because everybody is is assuming that retention needs to be at 
a hundred like max hype cycle retention in order to be a good business. That's not true. I don't I don't care what industry you work in. You cannot tell me a billion dollar revenue business is not a good business. Like you like in no in any world, that's a great business. And so when people argue retention and how retention is slumping, yeah, they're comparing it to the highest peak in the mountain. So yeah, if you compare anything to the highest peak, retention dropped. Facebook retention has dropped. Uber retention has dropped. Name one thing that's still at the highest peak. They all have dropped. So this is a classic thing that happens in software in general. AWS had the highest penetration out of all cloud software. It eventually started dropping. Their revenues can't continue to go. That's just large numbers. That's just any industry. So I think a lot of the, the heat that OpenAI is getting, yeah, maybe some of it is warranted, but I think it's missing context. Because it's being compared, like Rodney said, to a social media app that's free when you can't compare it to that. Like you, you just simply can't. Like you got to compare it to similar products in similar space. And when you compare it to that, who's next up? What is, how much is Google making off of their AI sh uh, business right now? We don't even know. Is it close to what OpenAI is? Maybe. Like you got you to gotta judge a Google search differently than you judge a chat GPT. Like you, because like how they make money is different. It's just, you have to judge it differently. And maybe that's another conversation but like people on google google's making money because they're seeing ads so they need to have certain metrics like certain metrics falling is a sign of failure because they have an ad-based visual-based thing like chat gpt is making money whether or not i'm using the app or not i don't need to be on chat gpt all day for them to get up to 20 dollars every month you know what i'm saying so it may like the numbers like they need to be really like it's hard because I, I, I have this feeling that all the numbers are not accessible to us as they shouldn't be. Oh, absolutely but, not. But, but, but like, We're probably looking just, at false numbers. Yeah, yeah but just, uh, yeah, but if we just think about the idea that for Twitter, yes, they need you to stay on that bitch. They need you to be on there. Google search needs you to be searching and scrolling for an answer. They need you to do that. The chat GPT or they don't need you to do any of that. They need you to come on. They need you to make a subscription and not cancel it like even if you're even if you weren't using it daily that might look bad on, on statistics like but it, doesn't, it may not necessarily require a daily usage like basically what i'm saying it's just like this is a it, it's actually just surprising to be honest that you had a productivity tool like this to even get that meteoric that, that meteor I wish, like it's I wish they even, were i wish they were a, a european company because uh in europe i don't know if it's just specific to london I know at least in London, they have a, a rule where like private companies have to post their internal revenue numbers. <laughs> Even if you're a private company, like, similar to like how public companies do it, I forget what they call it, but they have a process where like, you have to post like your internal revenue numbers because I think OpenAI should be transparent about it, but you can't ask them to be transparent. I think, and not I think if they were transparent about so it, Brian, people... you notice the change to the focus to, to consumer. If, it's, if you're saying they're not following the money, what do you think they're following then? Because I, they, I are think, putting, they are putting more effort towards the bubble. I, I do think they're doing that. I think what they're following is, I think they're, they're, me personally, I think that they're following a strategy to stay relevant for the long term. I think in the short, I think in the short term, they've probably started to, if not, they're probably close to the peak in the short term and shit looks relatively good compared to other players, as y'all mentioned. But when I look at the consumer play, I would be surprised if they're making real money off of chat GPT subscriptions. I, I personally don't think that they're making, I think most of the money is probably coming from the developer side, but even the developer side is low key being cannibalized in some way by their business. 
And the fact that like a lot of developers, I, I think you got to break the developers into the demo ones and then the enterprises, like there's varying value. And so when it comes to the consumer side and when I look at OpenAI, I think the mobile app, if, if I'm OpenAI and Sam Altman, the reason why I'm pushing chat GPT and mobile app is because even if most of my money is coming from the developer side, I cannot use any of that data to train and better my models, right? And so most of my training has to come through chat GPT. So regardless of this not being in the same business of a Google oh, or no. IG, it has to, okay. to compete so long-term and for the models to continue yeah. to improve, it has to be up to so Okay, gotcha. Well, so you're, you're saying that it, not, it may not be that, the, that it's the killer $10 billion app. We don't know the numbers, but you're just saying, simply put though, they are taking this product and basically just going through the process of build and iterate and feedback because the, they need. The app is literally a scaled version of human, like literally reinforcement learning human feedback. That is yeah. that like, that's literally all it is. And I don't think it's yeah. going to turn into a good business. Like it's, it's for what they've raised, that's not going to be a huge business for them. Oh, okay. The developer gotcha. side has the potential to be, but on the developer side, I think sooner or later, you're going to start to have these companies start to question, are the returns on the investment that they're making into this I'm not gonna lie. really there? Here's what I think. Okay. Let me add on to that a little bit then. I do think the cost of AI is going to go down and the open AI right now has an AI tax, even though it's cheap. It's cheap right now from the way I look at it from a developer to do development on it, but it is much more expensive than, for example, doing calls and all this stuff. Granted, um, that's because they have other things going on. The cost that they make per API call is going to have to go down as it gets more competitive. I'm assuming, assuming other players like Inflection API, uh, Inflection also came up with their API. There's other players that are coming up with their APIs. These open source models, they're gaining some traction. The cost of what they'll make on the API, but in the right, so maybe if you're talking about the short term, it depends on how you define the short term. Uh, but right now, it like it doesn't like right now they're doing great. And what I want to know from you now though is okay, let's say the short term. Okay, let's say right now everything is short term. They're making a billion dollars a year short term. Okay, cool. That's a great position to be in, right? So what do you what do you what do they need for that long term solidification? Do they, do they need? I know we threw in the chat this idea they come out with their own device. They could do that. That would be easy for them. They have all the. Should they do that? Should they come out with that, their own? They can't call ChatGPT. I'm sorry. I can't, they can't. But, they, but like a hardware device, is that where it goes? Like, how do they ensure this, that they, that they can survive? I've as, heard, as I, the I, AI, like it's, AI is a premium right now for a reason, but it won't be for, it won't be, it won't be, it won't be forever. I get that. I think. So where do they go? Me personally, I, it would not surprise me if. All they need is yeah. one big app. They need one big app. They just need one. They bet on developers. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Go ahead, Brian. Go ahead. I, I want to hear this because this is a crazy okay. argument you make. Okay. <laughs> yeah, bro. This is insane. I want to cut into this so bad, bro. This shit is crazy. This is insane. Yeah, bro. So I think I think in the long term, man, OpenAI is in the business of selling compute, but they don't really own that compute. Let's just be honest. And at the end of the day, they are that like they are subsidizing costs tremendously. We only hear, typically hear about the cost that it takes to train the model, but the, the cost to actually generate the output for these models is literally sometimes five to six times more. 
So if they're spending hundreds of millions of dollars to train a model, it is way like the costs are way crazier. And so they're, they're like, they're going to have to keep raising crazy rounds to be able to do this, which I believe they'll be able to do. But I think, but like the competitive nature of the landscape is going to continue to change, especially with what Meta is putting out and forcing people's hands when it comes to open source. And so there's that. Think about it. Meta is not that far behind from chat GPT. And they've demonstrate, demonstrated that not only in terms of like their llama models, but also think about what they've been putting out in terms of, you know, just their, their image detects models and things of that nature. All they got to do is fucking start to combine them. And so I don't think chat GPT really has, I, I don't think open AI really has a moat. And then the other piece of it too is, I think when it comes from a consumer standpoint, yeah, if I was them, I would be trying to push, put this app on the people's phones too. And I, I, it would not surprise me if they're already hearing whispers of what the hell is probably going on at Apple. If I'm Apple and Google, especially having access to Android, I'm putting this on, like I'm going to people's devices because that, like that, with all the research that is coming out around, if, if y'all familiar with, it's, it's called Laura. So Laura basically allow, basically makes these small, these models smaller so they can operate on devices. That's the research is taking this there. And so eventually it's going to have to be on the hardware. They don't own that. I don't think they will ever be able to compete in hardware. Right. And the model is vulnerable. The business is vulnerable because you, you don't own the compute. You look good now because you were first. That's but why they win. How do they but win? I think you're I think you're missing, I think you're missing a key customer though, right? Because I think Who? you, I think the, Who's the, the customer, point, I think, the, I think the entry point to the conversation is just started off incorrectly, right? We should just start with the customer in mind here. First of all, I right now expense chat GPT through my business. I would consider us to be a startup, to be a small business. We are a business. We are not about to go look at Llama. We are not about to go look at all these other models to try to build a chat GPT equivalent to solve a use case that we have for our business. We're not doing that. I'm telling you now. I don't care what you said. That's not happening. There are millions, literally millions of businesses, Brylin, that don't have an engineer, don't have a technical team, don't know what the fuck an API is, have no idea what training a model means, have none of that. They don't even, can't even correlate what that shit means. But what they can do is download GPT, tell their team, tell their employees, download this shit and mm -hmm. use it, right? And find use cases and ways to leverage it. And that is a massive fucking market. And so, sure, maybe you don't go after the hardest, most technological companies because, yeah, those companies understand that there's all these open source models and they can build cheaper and they can do all that because they have the resources and capabilities. Cool. But there's also the Frank's moving company that had 100 employees down here in Houston, Texas, that would love to figure out how they can learn I, how their employees could potentially leverage this. I'm just telling you, bro, I'm just telling I you don't, how no, they no, no, no. the ground, bro. I, I don't disagree with you. But what is going to end up fucking OpenAI in the long term is their capital structure. Is, what? is serving that, like those type of customers in the long run going to produce enough revenue to really run that business? I, just one more thing. Did y'all hear about the MGM hat that happened? I know. Oh, yeah. Well, did, actually, yeah. <laughs> all right. We should wrap up with this one. What, what do y'all think about that shit? Because that was wild. And in fact, 
up until a few days ago, they were still being impacted by that. Impacted in terms of the reservation site was down. I believe like they were still issuing like manual cash redemptions to customers. So you, if you want something, a slot machine or whatnot, you had to like get like a manual paper slip. It was pretty crazy. And I was looking into this hack and actually somebody took responsibility for it this particular hacking group. And it's pretty, it's, it's some pretty interesting details there, but yeah. Did y'all hear about that or, at all? Did that cross your timeline? I saw it, but I didn't know, I don't know the details. Yeah. Yeah, that shit was crazy. Yeah. I may have actually heard about it through you, Dre, first. And I looked into it because internet security, cybersecurity space or whatever, and then it got bad for them. I saw a, a, a post on Twitter and where they were, they were, there was a bunch of, this is in the cybersecurity world. They're, they were upset at, at one of the roles they posted. It was like, they, it was like a crisis role for IT seven days a week expected to be like, actually it was like maybe six days a week expected to work 70 hours or something like that. And the pay was maybe, it was okay. Relatively for an independent contract, $30,000 a month. It's, it's, it seems like a good, seems good. But when people were looking, were criticizing was that one. $30,000 is a small budget for a multi-million dollar hack that does happen. That's a very, like, you, 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 in the way that they had the job posting, I'll have to find a tweet. Maybe we can link in the chat if I can find it. But it was interesting seeing how sometimes companies, they put, they don't budget for security as much as they should. Now, granted, this hack came from, I believe, human error. I believe it was a phone call or uh, a phishing phone call. I believe that's how it happened. But it was a phishing, phishing scenario. That means that they could have been using all the secure infrastructure they wanted, but phishing is usually, generally speaking, social engineering. So it just gets somebody to make a mistake. So, and this mistake, is, it, it costs them a lot. It costs them trust. I saw all over for, since, since it's been brought to my attention, uh, there's been others that have been affected. I don't know how who all MGM owns, but I think Caesars also got affected, et cetera. And it's, I know this was one of those hacks. It's like hack, it's like breaking into a bank. It's like a modern day bank robbery. Let me put yeah. some context behind this. So like M MGM, they have a ton of properties all over the world. I think two dozen properties or so. So they're right. obviously huge. One of the largest casino and gaming companies around. So I think it was September 11th, actually, that's when the attack started, or at least that's wow. when it was publicly announced. Uh, affecting their systems and essentially it, to paint the context of the impact of it, people could not get back into their room. So apparently MGM hotels have been upgraded key primarily so that people can use their phone as a key card. So everybody's phone has like near field technology now. So you just tap and go. So basically people were locked out of their rooms. They could use a physical key card. It wasn't the key card that was locked out. It was that if you were using a digital key on your phone, which is completely used as a wow. different system, that particular system was the one that was locked out. Then it was the issue with their gaming machines being down, ATM machines being down as well. So people had to wait in long lines to get physical keys because those were working. And then they also had to get like handwritten receipts in order to actually cash out their winnings. So like the automated system wasn't working. Uh, but what was more interesting in that, even besides the impact, is like how it actually happened. So which, what Ronnie alluded to, this hacking group called Scattered Spider, I had never heard of them before, but Scattered Spider, essentially, they specialize in social engineering. And so they basically specialize in manipulating people to performing whatever actions they want by impersonating people, impersonating organizations, and building a relationship with, with, with whoever the potential victim is. And so 
through using the help desk or something like that, they were able to do some social engineering and get a piece of software, malware, download it onto the internal systems at MGM. Now, it wasn't just MGM. It was other, other casinos, like Rodney said, in the Vegas area. So Caesars Palette was impacted as well. They end up paying their ransom. They pay millions of dollars, which is a whole separate thing we should talk about. They end up paying. I'm sure MGM probably end up paying something as well. But what's even more interesting is this, is how this shit even works. I was looking more into this and I didn't even, I had never heard of this term before called ransom as a service. And essentially they're like these like hacking groups. So basically Scattered Spider basically are able, they they basically sold a contract to a ransom group they basically make they made the ransom software and that actually gets downloaded onto the internal systems within the company. The way this shit has worked is pretty interesting. It's obviously a whole separate field, but they didn't even have to make the malware. They basically just went out and said, Hey, if we can get you if we can get inside these internal systems, we want to deploy your malware. And they're like, All right, cool, just as long as you get in, you can deploy it. And so almost anybody can do this, really. You yeah. don't need to be some sophisticated person. You don't need to be some person that's really technologically savvy you really don't if you're good at like social engineering like you can almost easily do this because there's people out there that have already done technical work for you and they'll collect the payment for you which is insane so basically it's the end-to-end vertically integrated ransom as a service platform just like any other software that we've been talking about today and so it's it's crazy they they potentially have lost like billions of dollars over the course of a couple of weeks like it affected them for quite some long time so yeah it's pretty interesting I had never heard of ransom as a service. That's wild. <laughs> yeah, I mean, putting it in that way is crazy. Oh, that that's what it is. But yeah. Yo, without spoiling anything, anybody that's a fan of the morning show, check it out. Season two is out. Season Th- three. Season oh, three. my bad. See, season three, um, there's also a ransomware situation there. Not going to yes. go into it. Yes. But it's interesting yes. seeing that. Different reasons. But yo, yeah, I think, one, Dre, thanks for giving the, the dive into the just a deeper dive because the, I didn't know the group. I had no idea of the group. But what I, here's, I do want to add a couple of things here. Nothing was left out, by the way. Perfect explanation. But what I do want to add is some stuff around what you said around social engineering and the fact that of it not taking a genius to be that person or to be in a group like that. And what I mean by that is the most basic level of social engineering is you are, let's say you're in a mall and you just have on a red shirt and you just walk into the target and you just walk in the back. You have on a red shirt and you just walk in the back. You look like a target employee. That's just a basic form of social engineering. That actually will probably work at probably majority of targets. That's just one level. And so when you start looking at the world through that lens, you start to realize that there is a lot of things based on trust, simply put, trust. And we don't really go that far. For example, if somebody has a construction thing on, I have no idea if, the, he's, if they're supposed to, if he or she is supposed to be there. If they have all the construction stuff on and a shovel, I believe you're doing your job. You may not be doing anything. Now, that translates a lot easier with less risk to hackers online. And that's why the threat is really scary because Social engineering in real life can be done, but online, that trail is often covered up. And it's, it's very scary, actually, to think about the fact that these teams that essentially, it's their job, essentially, to, to 
tar- to have a victim in mind, for example, casinos are a perfect one because like I was saying earlier, it's like robbing a bank. And also too, it's a line where people can, I can see hackers being like, if they had any ethics, I can see them looking at a casino. Oh, well, I'm, we're hacking a casino. We're not hacking the hospital. We're hacking a casino. You see what I'm saying? So you can see where that kind of logic can go into play too. And it's ransomware is hard because of a few reasons. One, you get hesitant to pay it because it's almost like being rewarding, rewarding people for doing the thing that is wrong. You know what I'm saying? Kind of not to put Kevin Hart on the blast or anything like that, but his public situation where he got extorted in the video and stuff. He's I'm not paying that. They're not going to pay. I'm not going to pay you guys because you guys manipulated me, my friend, and I'm not going to pay. Right. And I understood the ultimate principle. Now, that's one individual, though. He's willing to deal with consequences with a large company, MGM, or even a smaller one. Because this has happened to, I had a, one of my doctors had to pay like a $40,000 Bitcoin ransom. These things, because they'll end up, they'll get in. And sometimes they don't always, are not known always at first. They might be in, and sometimes hackers will be in a system for a year, two years, like they might just be learning. They might not even do anything. They might just be trying to understand the organization, et cetera. And so it's a real big threat. And they should really consider the fact that, yes, phishing is a big deal. There's many vectors, but crazy hack. We will see more hacks. If they pay, if they did pay those ransoms, we're definitely going to see more hacks because it's just like a business. If it's Company, ransom, yeah. ransom service. Company, yeah. Companies are paying now. Like my father-in-law works for Procter & Gamble, the, one of the largest consumer yeah. product companies. They make Thai and yeah. Charmin, a bunch of shit. Oh, they're paying. And he was telling me a couple years ago they got hacked. And he works on the IT side. And they paid. They end yeah. up paying. Two. And of course they make some changes or whatever, but they had to end up paying. And so the reality is companies are paying. There's a whole insurance industry behind it now. Like MGM, even yeah. if the business pays, like it's more than likely insured. Like they probably yeah. have ransomware insurance, most likely. Yeah. So One of the things they're most likely covered. So it's just probably somewhere else it's like being hit or affected well, by hope... it. But honestly, I think companies should treat it like a natural disaster. Like uh, you can't yeah. pre- prevent the next hurricane or the next earthquake for, for uh from coming. Like this it's... is gonna come what's gonna happen. They it's need to treat it like crazy. that. It's gonna get crazier and hopefully people's information. Yeah. I think that what what happens Consumer information in the way it's stored is, is one of the things that's going to be at higher, it's definitely going to be at higher risk because they have the cyber because the company has a cyber insurance and they can get maybe some of that money back. But yeah, like once that data is out, depending on what it is, it's out. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's, that's a crazy insight. Basically it's their full-time job to, to, to prey on companies with vulnerabilities and the tools are getting better. It is pretty scary. (laughs) It is pretty scary, but all right. I got just one thought and then we can wrap up. And I know before the podcast, we were just talking about like quantum computing. A lot of these systems aren't protected against those possibilities. And so as quantum, I'm I'm actually curious to see if quantum computing, something that is generalized traditional computing today, where we all have pretty similar computers, or is that going to be something that is restricted to a few groups of people where maybe there's a license or something that is necessary because if that's the case, like in these groups are already hacking large companies 
with traditional kind of computing, what does that look like when like they can get past any system with ease? Yeah, man. Yeah, we're gonna have to end the podcast in a second that, <laughs> because because there's a few things. I'll just say one or two things. There's there's a pro and con. And by the way, okay. I want to say the cyber ransomware real quick. The interesting thing about ransomware is that it's used with a tool that's actually meant for good. So, for example, I might have my own set of public and private keys for my to secure my data, right? But I have the private key, so I can always unlock it and decrypt my data and use it. Now, here's the thing. When you do ransomware, you can inside someone else's computer. Now, if you lock their stuff with your private key or a private key that you've generated, now they can't open their information <laughs> without the key. So they sell the key back to you. Right? So they put yourself in a cage, and then it's like somebody robbed your house, put everything in the big safe, and said, okay, look, you want the combination? <laughs> do you want the combination? So basically, that... so. Keep that in mind. Quantum, it can break encryption, but it also can be a deterrent to even hackers because of the way that it works. Um, you know, by the time something's even observed in a quantum system, it's already changed form, in which case it will be much harder for people to be able to get access in between, right, in the way they do now. You know what I'm saying? So there, there's a blessing and a curse there because... If there's if if certain people have quantum and other people don't, then quantum's gonna it's gonna it, it can crack a lot of cryptographic things in theory. But if more people are on quantum, then you have there'll be an uh, emergence of different problems. But essentially, you won't have that peer in problem right now, where it's like you peer in on traffic and then you decrypt or whatever the case. But with with security, it's the same across the board. Like I just people need to understand conceptually. Just like, for example, I can use a gun in my home to protect myself. That same person can use that gun, turn around and go outside and start gun violence and do all whatever. Like mm. these tools are usually flippable. And a lot of times, so quantum is going to be an interesting one. And there is currently a race towards it. And they maybe have, I don't know if it's with AI in quantum or not, if that's in the same conversation, but quantum right now may not be getting the light, but it's a race amongst countries for those reasons it's very powerful and to be honest the united states is it as soon as possible because if we don't critical systems would be it's like a it's like a national threat is that serious so yeah i just want to put that out there but thanks for bringing that up brian quantum is important but it's complex and it's a race so i get the race with ai but maybe a little bit more important hmm. and i appreciate that breakdown yeah. all right let's wrap it up yeah all right, y'all.